Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Sal Vetri Show. The DFS clip you're about to hear originally aired on my YouTube channel. And before we get into it, you can leave a five-star review. If you can subscribe, download to the podcast, like, and share it, whatever you have to do, I greatly appreciate that. Helps the podcast out a lot. Helps us reach more people. What I would hope is this beneficial content. So welcome and enjoy. Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel and the podcast. It is currently 11.17 p.m. East Coast time. It is Sunday, November 10th, so we are about a day, a little bit less than a day away from this Monday Night Football Showdown slate. $300,000 to first divisional matchup. Pretty big game here uh, between the Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers. Should be a very good game. Before I get into my interests here, you can see on the video version a little bit of those. If you're listening on the podcast, I will go through each and every player on the slate, and I'll break them down. Um, some rather briefly, the ones that don't need that much time. Some will go into a little bit of a detail and depth on them. So before we get into it, welcome to this channel and this podcast, this YouTube channel and podcast. My name is Sal Vetri. I do indeed cover daily fantasy sports in the NFL, NBA, WNBA, and the MLB streets. NFL content being going out every single day. Well, I guess five to six days a week. And if you include the Sunday stream every single day on the YouTube channel and then strip down for the podcast and then NBA content so far, every single day of the NBA season, we're three weeks in now has been a YouTube video. So be sure to check out all of that content. The NBA content will be out tomorrow morning early on by about 6.37 a.m. Down below in the description, you'll find my social media accounts, Sal Vetri on Instagram, Sal Vetri Facebook page. And the best resource you could probably use is at Sal Vetri DFS on Twitter. I do have a Patreon uh, approaching about 400 patrons, so I appreciate each and every one of you patrons, all the subscribers. We hit 15,000 overall subscribers on the YouTube channel. Thank you, everybody, for the people who continue to listen on the audio version. You all rock, and hitting a five-star rate and review helps me out so much over there. So if you do get any satisfaction, if you think this va- if you think this content helps you in any sort of way at all, I really do appreciate hitting the subscribe button, hitting the like button on the YouTube video, and then the biggest thing on the audio version is hitting those five stars and leaving a review. It does boost me up the rankings, and right now I'm trying to build the audio version of that um, just to have more uh, distribution and more reach on those platforms. So thank you so much. Um, That is all I have for you guys, so let's get into this one right here. Uh, All the plugs, appreciate you bearing with me through those. So look, it's a slate where... I have 12 interests. Usually on these slates, I'll, I'll, I'll start 14. And, and again, I'll, I'll always make the disclaimer for people that are new that are watching. If you're going to play a showdown slate and you're going to enter 50 to 150 lineups, you should probably have like 20 players, 18 players in your player pool, somewhere around there. You can make it tighter if you want to 16. Um, but right now, I only have 12 on here. If I was entering 50 plus lineups, I wouldn't only have 12 in my player pool. I would add in some other players, Jimmy G, Metcalf, whatever it might be, who are currently knows. I'm trying to cater this to the audience of people entering 1 to 10 lineups, right? And how I would kind of define it and really filter down a player pool for that type of lineup construction. If you're only entering three lineups, there's no reason for me to talk through you playing 25 players tonight. It's not really helping, so I'm trying to condense it and cater it to which most of my audience will be playing, like one to five lineups. So starting at the top, um, in terms of injury news, there's some injury news to monitor. A lot of it's just who's going to be, um, well, we have doubtful George Kittle. That's huge to know, right? Uh, doubtful George Kittle right now. It seems like uh, Dwelly is going to be filling in for him, and he looked really good filling in for him, running 20-plus routes, 22 routes to George Kittle's 23 in the last game once Kittle got injured. Kittle is doubtful, and Robbie Gold, the kicker, is doubtful for this game. Um, so some impactful news there with Chase McLaughlin going to be starting in this one against Seattle for San Francisco, a kicker right there at 3,600. So those are the big news on the offensive side of the ball for 
the 49ers Marquise Goodwin was a healthy scratch in the last game and we know Emmanuel Sanders is now there they already have a rotation of endless receivers with Kendrick Bourne Richie James who has not been running routes if you see Richie James snap count the last two weeks it'll say that he has been playing snaps not on offense though he's been playing special teams so make sure not to get that confused Um, but they still do have Debo Samuel the rookie out there Dante Pettis and Emmanuel Sanders seems to be the top three wide receivers right now as long as Marquise Goodwin remains a scratch with Kendrick Bourne running in as the number four wide receiver as of right now Seattle side of the ball um, nothing really major here same receivers just Josh Gordon is potentially going to play he's a game time decision but he's not in play for me even if he plays it seems like he's going to be on a very limited play count or snap count really not knowing much of the playbook 10 to 15 snaps if he plays at best at best and you also have Jerron Brown and David Moore who's been seeing more more and more snaps um, at the wide receiver three and four positions so I would expect if Josh Gordon even suits up for this game to be more of a red zone package receiver for 10 to 12 snaps as they are going to be um, at least underdogs based on Vegas, six and a half point underdogs in this game. But at that price tag, it's just really hard to get to them. So that's kind of all the big news up front. Let's get into my interest now, starting with my yeses. Only four yeses. Um, (laughs) Only four yeses. So uh, obviously some of them will be captain interests, not all of them. Um, But Emmanuel Sanders at 10,200, he just makes sense. Like in terms of the best individual matchup on the entire slate, It's probably Emmanuel Sanders in terms of a player against his opponent, whether it's a running back versus a defensive line, whether it's a tight end versus the linebackers and and safeties, or whether it's a wide receiver versus cornerbacks. Emmanuel Sanders coming out of the slot. Look, he ran 38 routes last week. That was 15 more than the next closest pass catcher for San Francisco. Since joining the team, he's ran 64 routes. That's 17 more than the next closest route runner in George Kittle. And obviously, that's a little bit skewed. Kittle probably would have ran another uh, 5 to 10 more routes, and maybe it's a little bit more skewed. But the, the moral of the story is Sanders is running about 10 more routes than any other pass catcher even if you factor in Kittle getting hurt last week and then if you factor out Kittle as a tight end and just wide receivers he's running 20 more routes than any other wide receiver over the last two weeks Um, last week he ran about 18 more routes than the next closest wide receiver and he's just running a ton of snaps 95 percent he's coming out of the slot this is something that all season long Dante Pettis was a slot wide receiver after about the first three games four games once they had their bye of the season when he really wasn't playing snaps, it was Dante Pettis, and they were just they were running all over teams. They weren't really having to throw the ball, um, and we've seen now last week when they really needed to throw, it was just the Emmanuel Sanders show. I get it, Kittle was hurt, but just the Emmanuel Sanders show for the far majority of it. The concern here is that he's ten thousand two hundred. He's extremely expensive, and they're going to be six and a half point favorites. So if you have a game where Jimmy G goes back to throwing thirty times here, uh, you probably see Sanders seeing seven targets. If there's no George Kittle, seven to eight targets. So I do th- still think he can get there at ten thousand two hundred dollars. It's just a concern because he's very expensive. But as we go through the slate, you'll see there's not that many great or secure options on the slate. And there's a ton of awful matchups for wide receivers, especially on San Fran or especially on the Seattle side of the ball. Um, Jamar Taylor is going to be in the slot. 95% of his snaps on defense and coverage this season have been out of the slot. So he'll primarily face Emmanuel Sanders, which Sanders is now back in the slot where he made a living um, for the most part of his career before moving outside in Denver, where he also was fine. But Emmanuel Sanders in the slot is just an absolute weapon, even at his age of 32 coming off an Achilles um, tear. So really good matchup for Sanders. Chris Carson against the San Francisco 49ers runs rush defense. Look, a road six and a half point underdog is disgusting. Like that's a terrible spot to be targeting running backs. I don't think San Francisco's run defense is as good as people think it is. Like the reason they're not giving up a lot of yards is because teams aren't running on them, right? It's because they're leading big in these games. And again, that can happen this week and it can just really make Chris Carson at 8,600 a terrible play. And in hindsight, it sort of seems like that. Again, we really hate to target road running backs, especially when you're decent sized underdogs of six and a half. 
He's played 80-plus percent of the snaps in four of the last five weeks, uh, and I get it. You had some Rashad Penny injuries during that time, but Penny played 30% of the snaps two weeks ago in what was pretty obvious to me, at least, as a, a trade deadline audition. Before the game, it came out and it was leaked that he might be getting shipped up checked off before that night and then they randomly just give him more snaps he played well on those snaps but randomly give him more snaps out of nowhere it seems like more of an audition to me and you can make the argument that why would they run him out there if he's going to get injured but it looked a little bit clear that he was on play he was a little bit out there and it, it showed last week as he only played like 11 percent of the snaps that he was just out there for more extended run due to the trade deadline you also saw chris carson in a game where they were trailing last week still go over 100 yards most of it coming on one big chunk play against a tampa bay run defense that is much more stout than the seattle run defense or, or san fran run defense i get it like san fran's front in terms of pressure is good their secondary is fantastic their run stop is a little bit suspect probably the weakest part of their defense um without a doubt 28 routes run last week when he was trailing good to see that chris carson is sort of game flow independent if he's going to run that many routes matt Breida at 6200 dollars. i do like matt Breida today um i think i might i might make also um so i'm going to also make tevin coleman a yes just because i mean i only have four yeses but matt Breida is going to be a yes at his price point i think i slightly prefer matt Breida to tevin coleman look matt Breida played um 40 of the snaps 39 percent last week and that's when he came out once again for like the third week in a row he came out of the game because he was dealing with an injury he played 40 percent of the snaps he ran 11 routes six less than tevin coleman uh, more times than not matt Breida is going to play very or run very similar amount of routes to Tevin Coleman so in terms of pass catching game there's upside there but they're six and a half point favorites they're both okay plays this week like I'd expect Matt Breida to play around 40 percent of the snaps if not 45 percent and Tevin Coleman to get about 50 to 60 percent depending on Breida's work share and if he's going to be two thousand dollars less I think Matt Breida has a little bit more upside for the price again 40 percent of the snaps last week the upside in targeting uh, the upside in this matchup is targeting Seattle's secondary. Um, but when you do have a six and a half point favorite, you're just going to get at some point in this game. And it's a team that wants to run the ball first, as we've seen every single week, it seems, outside of the last game they played on Thursday night. So I think they're going to stay true to themselves. Breida makes sense. Ross Dwelly, the $2,000 tight end, uh, it's hard not to like this guy. It's really hard not to like this guy. Seattle's secondary is this best spot on the slate um, compared to their run defense to target. He played 80% of the snaps last week. He ran a very impressive 22 routes, even when Kittle was running 23. Like, Kittle's doubtful. I really think, and again, they could get up big in this game and not need him, but I really think that if this game stays neutral for a good amount of it, or they're trailing by any chance, San Fran, he's going to run like 30 to 35 routes. And he's a tight end at $2,000 who showed that he was running the exact same routes that Kittle did and had success in the last game filling in. So a somewhat of a tough matchup against McDougal in the, in the secondary for Seattle if it is man coverage with the safety, which it shouldn't be the majority of the game, but just parts of it. But either way, it's a $2,000 tight end who has upside. I like it a lot. My last yes is Tevin Coleman, who was just a late addition to the party. $8,200 salary. Look, he's a six and a half point favorite, but you have to wait the upside of Breida, like I said. So I slightly prefer Breida just because he's $2,000 less. Um, but Tevin Coleman at 8200 when you compare him to Carson, um, I prefer Carson just, and I've already said that, um, and just because Carson was a definite yes. Even as an underdog, Carson's going to see like 80% of the work, if not more, more, more times than not. Coleman has to have that split with Breida, and it's a realistic and scary split in my opinion. But he's still a decent-sized favorite. If Coleman sees 12 to 15 touches in this game on a showdown slate, even at that price point, it's worth um, having shares of um, again, Brita is the guy that I prefer for this cheaper price tag, but Coleman's going to more times than not see the majority of the work. And now we get into my maybes. Russell Wilson at 11400 He's a maybe. It's just so hard. Like I've been saying all season long, I fade $11,000 quarterbacks. 
the only difference with Wilson is he's one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league. It means he can throw 28 times and more times than not, he's going to get three touchdowns before any other quarterback in the league. Uh, when you look at it over the long um, span in the last two years, he's led the season or last year and a half up until this point, he's led the entire league. He led it last year up until this point this year. He's led it with the best touchdown efficiency rating. He also is mobile. So there's upside there. If you're going to pick a quarterback, it's Russell Wilson for me. It's not even close with Jimmy G. Jimmy G is a home favorite who does not have much mobility, if any. And he's really not in a pass-friendly script when Russell Wilson surely is and has mobility for only $400 more. That said, I really don't want to get to any of these quarterbacks. But at the end of the day, as we continue to go through this, not a lot of good matchups. Definitely not a good matchup for Russell Wilson. I mean, this this secondary for San Fran, whether it's Richard Sherman, um, whether it's Quan Williams in the slot who's been shut down, Richard Sherman's been absolutely shut down, or whether it's mostly on the outside, Emmanuel mostly, it's it's just a terrible spot to target. And then you don't even get into the safeties yet. But you're just trusting talent with Russell Wilson. And at the end of the day, usually an $11,400 quarterback has to get you like 20 plus fantasy points. But on a slate like this, where there's so many different pieces being involved into the offense on both sides and really difficult matchups on both sides, um, especially for San Fran secondary, Seattle's run stop. It's a spot where I can see 16 to 17 fantasy points out of Russell Wilson winning this thing for you. And if you factor in that, maybe he gets you four to five fantasy points on the ground. He just has to have an okay day through the air. I get it a really tough matchup, but his team still implied for 20 plus points here. So they're going to have to score somehow. So he would be the quarterback that I get to. Tyler Lockett is a maybe. Um, so Tyler Lockett's matchups, it's it just brutal. Like I'd rather get to Emmanuel Sanders, even as a favorite. Lockett might see eight targets in this game, but they're all going to be very lower upside targets based on the matchup. Like 71% of his snaps, he runs from the slot. He'll face Kawan Williams, who so far this season out of the slot is only allowing a 49.6% rating against. That's top three in the league out of slot cornerbacks. It's 18 receptions for 148 yards in eight games. I mean, that's fantastic. It's two and a half receptions per game. He's allowing 148 yards um, out of eight games so far. He's allowing less than 20 yards um, per game in, in when they play man-to-man coverage, and they play man-to-man coverage a lot. So, yeah, it's it's a spot where I really don't like targeting Kwon Williams. I get it. Tyler Lockett has been elite, especially around the red zone. He can just fall into the end zone. But here's the thing. He's not $8,400 on this slate. He's 10400 You need Tyler Lockett to score you. 18 plus fantasy points to pay off this tag more times than not. Now I get it's a showdown slate, so not a lot of great options. Maybe he only needs 16. If he catches eight passes for 85 yards, it's probably enough from Tyler Lockett for this slate. That's a really tall task to ask against a guy who I just said is averaging this season two and a half receptions allowed and about 18 uh, yards allowed per game. Not great. It's a steep price point for a brutal matchup. Really hard for me to want to get there. Debo Samuel um, on the outside is likely going to have to face um, Trey Flowers this week, which is a really good matchup for him. Um, Debo Samuel, though, $4,800. It seems like a steep price point because you're going to get like 20 routes to 25 at best out of this guy. Even in a game where two weeks ago they had to throw the ball a ton outside of Emmanuel Sanders, all of these outside wide receivers are just being rotated through. Kendrick Bourne, Dante Pettis. Debo Samuel, you had Marquise Goodwin, a healthy scratch, um, but they're all being rotated through. He only ran 23 routes in a game where they were ha- actually having to throw the ball, in a game where you see these season-high pass attempts for um, a guy like uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy G. So it's an interesting spot for him to be that much of a high of a price point. If Marquise Goodwin is active, a healthy scratch last game, I'm just going to have no interest here. I don't think he'll be active. Like, why not just activate him in the last game? But Debo Samuel should have a beneficial matchup against Trey Flowers. Um, It's just a really tough spot to pay for. His snap count has been nice, 68% over the last two weeks, actually somewhat stable for how these San Fran wide receivers run their routes and and their snap counts and their usage outside of Emmanuel Sanders through two weeks. But again, 4,800, he's a maybe. He's not somebody that I fade. I think he's okay. It's just not anything that I feel stable about. Jacob Hollister, so both tight ends I like on the slate, both sort of backup and, and, and secondary tight ends for the teams. 
But Jacob Hollister out, outran last week in terms of snaps and really just routes run. Luke Wilson only had five routes run last week to Jacob Hollister's 35. That, look, if it was like 20 to 18, then I'd say that's a little bit of a fluke. 35 to 5 is not a fluke, right? There, there was something changing in the offense. They liked what they had out of a Hollister better. He performed very well. Now he's $4,600. So again, I prefer Ross Dwelly for $2,600 less. It shouldn't shock anybody there, but... I do think Jacob Hollister's in play. I don't think it was a fluke last week. I think he continues to outsnap Luke Wilson. And again, it's going to be a difficult matchup against San Fran's safeties and their and really their their linebackers and just the secondary as a whole. But he's forty six hundred, gonna be a six point favorite, six and a half point favorite in some spots. You're going to have to throw the ball. He's another weapon, at least in the middle of the field, who doesn't have to face Kawan Williams, doesn't have to face Richard Sherman, doesn't have to face Emmanuel Mosley, uh, these these great cornerbacks. He'll just have to face a lot of zones potentially, but mainly linebackers. So he should maybe be one of the priorities in this offense um, in terms of scheming. Both the kickers are maybes for me, as always. Jason Myers, and we said Robbie Gold's not playing, so McClellan is going to be starting for San Francisco. Uh, I'll read my disclaimer for anybody who's new here. Kickers are fine. Just roster one, though, if you're going to play a kicker. By rostering two, you're more than likely capping your upside. In this type of a slate, this is probably the best spot to roster two kickers, if any slates, because there's so many, like, rotational pieces for the running backs for San Fran, the wide receivers for San Fran, a lot of players who are just priced up to a point where it's so difficult to get to them, like both quarterbacks, like both number one receivers and Emmanuel Sanders and Russell Wilson. There's no George Kittle on the slate who is priced nicely to actually get to, but now you can't get to him because he's not on the slate anymore. Lots of iffy pieces in terms of um, just the backup players for a lot of teams, um, the the third and fourth string wide receivers for a lot of teams, right? Josh Gordon, is he going to play? If, even if he doesn't play, uh, who do you really trust? David Moore in his matchup? No, we're about to get into those matchups for Seattle wide receivers outside of Lockett like we already did, and they're brutal spots. 49ers defense, I think, is very much in play. Even at 5,200, look, they're six and a half point home favorites. Russell Wilson doesn't make a ton of mistakes. He'll run for his life. He'll evade a lot of sacks. So if you were supposed to have seven sacks in the game, you might only end up with two on Russell Wilson. Um, but the, And he doesn't really make a ton of mistakes in terms of interceptions. But the best thing you have going for you is this pass rush is elite. They're at home. It's going to help for sure. Pin your ear back, ears back and just go get Russell Wilson. But also... The offensive line for Seattle, you're just, it, it's an absolute mismatch. It's one of the worst on the slate. It's, it's bottom two on the slate this week in terms of how good of a matchup San Fran's defensive line has. I don't think it's a high upside play. It's not something that I prefer getting to. But when you look at this slate, look, Josh Gordon is a game-time decision. Like I said, even if he plays 10 to 15 snaps, routes run at best in the red zone, at best, so high upside targets in the red zone. But I don't think he's going to be that influential at 5,400. Even if he has a two receptions for 15 yards and a touchdown, like he's playing the red zone, that eight fantasy points is not paying off 5,400. Like he's useless. Josh Gordon is useless. He's he's $1,600 more expensive on this slate than a kicker, and he's probably not going to outscore a kicker based on the amount of time he's playing unless he scores two touchdowns on limited snaps, which is highly unlikely. So if you take out Josh Gordon's $5,400 price tag, there's nobody else in the price range of the 49ers defense. They're 5200 You can go down a little bit to the tight ends, to Debo Samuel, Jacob Hollister, well, Jacob Hollister being the only tight end, uh, but in that name that I just said, but Debo Samuel, for 4800 you can go down even more to guys like um, all the way down to Robert Dwelly, but there's really nobody in that 5K price range outside of Gordon. So you might land on that range and like the 49ers defense, I would rather go down to guys like Jacob Hollister, who I think have more upside, but I do think they're in play. And now my nose will get through them. Jimmy G's $11,000. I just can't go there. Like, he threw a ton of times last week. Is the, the best spot to target Seattle is their secondary, so it's actually a good matchup, but you're six-and-a-half-point home favorites. And not only do you have to have a game like you had last game, which, again, it could happen. 
Um, you have to have that sort of game, and Russell Wilson can't outscore you. So I think Russell Wilson outscores him because Russell Wilson's just in a pass-first script, and Jimmy G's not. Six-and-a-half-point favorite, you're going to be probably running more than you throw or at least enough to not pay off 11000 Like, if he has 250 yards and two touchdowns here or 300 yards and two touchdowns, it still might not be enough. Um, I get it. Like, that's a good amount of fantasy points, like 16, 17. But if Russell Wilson goes out there and scores 20 fantasy points, there's a really good chance you can't fit both of these top quarterbacks into your lineup. And at that point, even if you can, like, fit them in salary-wise, there's a really good chance they're both not needed in there because somebody else outscores Jimmy G or scores close enough. So it's really just a salary and game theory thing. I prefer, I think Russell Wilson outscores Jimmy G on this slate. And if I do believe that, then there's really no way Jimmy G ever fits into a lineup unless every single other positional player, like Tyler Lockett, Emmanuel Sanders, Carson, all these guys who are also at a somewhat steep price point for guys like Carson and a steep price point for Sanders and Tyler Lockett, they all have to just lay an egg for that to kind of work out. And I just really don't think Jimmy G even pays off $11,000 anyways. Um, DK Metcalf, has a no, I, have as an, I have as a no right now. And everybody's going to lose their minds. I get it. He's been playing fantastic. He's been playing 90 plus percent of the snaps for like three weeks straight now. He's looked really good. But now he gets Richard Sherman Island, who is not a shadow cornerback. He'll just stay on one side of the field. So you don't really have to worry too much about um, oh, DK moves to one side of the field. It's okay now. But DK stays on the left side of the field the far majority of the time. He's going to get Richard Sherman the far majority of this game. Richard Sherman, you want to know what he's done this season? 17 receptions allowed, 146 yards, and one touchdown. A 35.7 pass rating against. That is absolutely insane what Richard Sherman <laughs> is currently doing this season. Um, you want to know what that breaks down to per game? Two uh, two so far, it'll break down to two catches, 2.1 receptions for 18.3 yards per game. Now he'll get Richard Sherman for maybe half of this game, right? Right around there. But for, so it's only a terrible matchup for half of the game, but it's also a terrible matchup for the other half because he'll get Emmanuel Mosley. who since filling in for Witherspoon, who potentially is going to be coming back soon, eight receptions allowed for 143 yards and one touchdown, a 75.8 pass rating against. No matter who you're facing, if you're DK Metcalf on the outside, it's a brutal matchup. You can get Richard Sherman for 50% of the game, and when you go to the other side of the field and you get Emmanuel Mosley for 50% of the game, it's barely better. It is barely better. He's giving up yet less yardage per game by three yards than Sherman this season, um, and he's giving up, it's insane, only eight receptions, a lot less coverage snaps for him because he took over in around week three when Witherspoon got hurt, but the man has been absolutely dynamite since filling in. He's been one of the better cornerbacks in the league. Uh, Richard Sherman has been like literally a top five cornerbacks this season in the league. Again, he's not a shutdown cornerback. He doesn't travel with the receivers. He stays on one side of the field. And when he's in a good system like this one, he can absolutely dominate you um, already getting pick sixes and interceptions and just so many uh, pass breakups. Um, this is a really brutal spot for a rookie like DK Metcalf, who has been showing that he is he's not only one dimensional over the last couple of weeks running routes over the middle of the field, but primarily he is a run straight down the field and beat your man one on one. And that just doesn't happen against this 49ers secondary. So for $7,800, yes, DK Metcalf is not in, in priority of mine. And if I'm entering only a few lineups, I probably have none. Already talked about Josh Gordon. Don't really have any interest. Even if he plays, it's not going to be a lot. Game time decision. They've already came out and said he doesn't know the playbook. So if he plays, I think it would be a red zone package only or something around that. And it's just too steep of it's too too steep of a price point to pay for that. Marquise Goodwin was a healthy scratch last time. Keep an eye on him. He could be like an interesting G, GPP sleeper play if he's active because a lot of people probably think he's not going to play again. I don't think he will. Raheem Mostert, no interest. He's played just 23 total snaps in his past three games. He only played two total snaps last week. Again, he was coming off of injury, so some would expect him. But they had four running backs active in the last game if that's the case if Jeff Wilson Jr. is going to be active it's just going to crush any upside that Mostart actually has especially at a four thousand dollar price tag 
Dante Pettis, 3,400. He seems a little bit too expensive, even at this $3,400 price tag. He lost his slot wide receiver role to Sanders two weeks back, which is the biggest upside, in my opinion, for Dante Pettis coming out of the slot compared to the outside. Jimmy G's just not throwing that much to the outside. It's to Kittle and then the slot wide receiver. Right now, Sanders in the middle field and then to running backs for the most part. Um, He's ran 24 total routes over the last two weeks. He ran 14 last week, and then two weeks ago, he ran 10. Uh, So I'd rather just have Kendrick Bourne at the exact or at the exact same role like these guys are all running 20 routes um over the last couple of weeks so Kendrick Bourne's gonna run like 14 routes just like Dante Pettis is gonna run this upcoming week but he's $2,400 less so I don't really have interest in Kendrick Bourne this weekend because he's not running a lot of routes but between Dante Pettis and Kendrick Bourne I probably go to Kendrick Bourne just know that neither of them have that much upside but they're gonna run the same amount of routes and or at least very close like Dante Pettis might run 16 this week to Kendrick Bourne's 12 or 13 very similar for a very steep price difference Seahawks defense, you can get to it if you want. Six and a half point road favorites or road underdogs. It's not something I really want to get to, but if anybody's going to make a mistake in this game between Russell Wilson and Jimmy G, it's probably Jimmy G. Um, he's, he's looked um, pretty, he looked really great in the last game, but he's looked really lost at times this season. Rashad Penny, no interest playing 11% of the snaps last week. I know he played 30% the week before, but I think that was more of an audition. Jeff Wilson Jr. played just 3% of the snaps and ran only, he's ran only four routes over the last month. No thanks, but he only played 3% of the snaps last week. No thank you. Jerome Brown and David Moore. These guys are the wide receiver three and fours. It's going to be David Moore, wide receiver three, took that role over the last two weeks. And it makes sense. John Brown was actually cut right after the preseason, right after um, they had to make their final cuts. But then it came out that David Moore was dealing with an injury. So they re-signed John Brown really quickly. And he actually held on to that wide receiver three role for about the first seven or eight weeks of the season. The last two weeks, it's been taken over by David Moore. The problem is now Josh Gordon is there, so both of them are useless if Gordon plays. If Gordon doesn't play, David Moore should continue to see around 50 to 60% of the snaps as a wide receiver three in a game where they'll be trailing. The only issue for him there is that he'll probably be seeing, for the most part of this game, uh, Richard Sherman. So not great. And when he's not, like we said earlier, Emmanuel Mosley. So not great for these guys. I get it. The price tag on David Moore is $1,200. It's a really good price tag. But we've seen two other times this season Richard Sherman on a showdown slate where guys at a very nice price tag against him, a very, very favorable price tag. We saw with the Arizona Cardinals, you had some of their outside cornerbacks at very favorable price tags. Demir Bird, um, whoever it might be on the other side, Trent Sherfield, you know what happens? They get goose-egged. Zero catches. That's what happens. That's what happens when you face Richard Sherman. And and even if you catch two balls for 20 yards and you have four fantasy points at $1,200 if you're David Moore, that's not going to win tournaments. It's just not like people think that that's automatically going to win them a tournament. Oh, my $1,200 play. He got two catches for 13 yards. Like your 3.3 fantasy points isn't winning anything. Like the kicker, the kickers are going to score eight to nine points. I know they're more expensive, but that's going to be needed <laughs> over your two to three fantasy points when it comes down to it. So David Moore, I get it. He'll be on the field a lot. So the upside in David Moore is, does he score a touchdown? Like if he scores a touchdown has eight to nine fantasy points, and we've seen him do it one time this year on a showdown slate, catch one ball for 10 yards and have a touchdown. And he's sitting pretty there for you at eight fantasy points. And even then he wasn't needed in the winning lineup. It's just really hard for me to recommend playing David Moore on potentially if, if Josh Gordon plays, no, I don't want any of it, but if, if he doesn't, then you're going to get David Moore on 50 to 60% of the snaps running around 20 to 25 routes. But majority of those, probably 18 of those are against Richard Sherman. And that's just brutal. So nothing else stands out. I mean, you have Kendrick Bourne in this price range at $1,000. He ran 27 routes over the last two weeks. That's three more routes over the last two weeks than um, Dante Pettis, who is for some reason $2,400 more expensive than Kendrick Bourne. If you're going to punt with a San Fran wide receiver, just punt with Kendrick Bourne at $1,000. That said, I don't have interest, so that's not me advocating and you saying, oh, who's the cheapest guy that I can pick up? Oh, $1,000 Kendrick Bourne. Sal said he's the guy I should punt with. No, no. I'm saying between Dante Pettis and Kendrick Bourne, they have the same exact role in this offense, except you're getting a lot cheaper of a price tag for Bourne. I don't recommend. Richie James Jr., do not play him. I know he's $200. He's not running routes. He's been playing special teams only the last two weeks. 
since Emmanuel Sanders got there. Oh, but Sal, he, he, it shows he's playing snaps. He is, I see a 20% snap rate. Yes, that is on special teams. Do not play him. He's not playing on offense, or at least he has not been. Um, and then Levan Tolalilo, whatever the backup tight end is, I think former Atlanta Falcon, um, he's going to be now the backup tight end instead of third string tight end. So he should have decent run, but not really anything I'm expecting. I think it's going to be all uh, uh, dwelly here because he's only run 10 routes over the last four weeks. And I get it, he's a third string tight end, so that's what's supposed to happen. But I'm not expecting too much at 1800 Like if he was $200, maybe you take a stab on him, but he's 1800 Like he has to get you like five to six fantasy points to really pay that price tag off. And I just don't think it happens. So that's where I'm at right now. Hopefully you all, enjoyed this video if you did please hit the subscribe button we're over 15,100 subscribers that's a road to 20k right maybe by christmas that'd be awesome so thank you all so much for for tuning into this video this podcast if you're listening on the audio version hopefully you enjoyed this experience if you could please hit the five star rate interview really helps me out be sure to check out my patreon linked up down below for exclusive content i will have my showdown tiers out for this monday night football slate as well as all the NFL content trickling out day by day this week, as well as every single day NBA projections updated up until lock as well on the Patreon. Follow me on Instagram, releasing content there as well on a daily basis at this point. I'm hoping to have multiple posts out per day if I can get that all scheduled on Instagram, Sal Vetri. And then you can also follow me on Twitter at Sal Vetri DFS. So thank you all for tuning into this. I really do appreciate it. My name's Sal. You already know that. Peace out, gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.